welcome to One Life Online. The podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon titled, Anxiety, Worry, Stress, Overthinking, presented by Martin Muchoki. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will, by His grace. Yeah, my name is Martin. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about, about what? What am I talking about? About anxiety. Maybe that's why I'm anxious, because I'm talking about anxiety. And, um, and worry, and intrusive thoughts, things that I am sure plague you from time to time, things that also plague me from time to time. It seems to be one among the many emotional, mental, and spiritual diseases that we have as human beings, that we become so anxious and so worried and during the day, you find that you have all these intrusive thoughts hitting your mind. I've had conversations with some of you who tell me, how can I stop overthinking? I overthink too much about many things. Someone even says, I think too much about everything, really. And sometimes it's those intrusive thoughts that come to you in the course of your of your day, of your week, thinking about your past and your future. And they, they normally don't lead you to happiness or to have a smile on your face like the faces before you today. I'm informed they are called emojis. They lead you to feel sad and depressed and unhappy. So what does the Bible say? Do you suppose that God has given us a way out? that every day we can, we can be able to manage these difficulties. And this, these are things that pertain to our mind. They are right there in your mind every single day. And one of the toughest things to do, as you know, is, is to manage your thoughts. They are your thoughts. But then you find it so hard to manage them. When we were looking at the marriage series, you would wonder, if you struggle to manage your own thoughts, to control your own mind, how will you manage the thoughts of someone else who you live with on a day-by-day basis? Is there a way that we can be able to control our mind and manage our thoughts so that we can be able to overcome this perennial disease of being anxious and being worried and overthinking and, and, and Mostly, it has something to do about the past. Did you know that dwelling on the past displeases God? Did you know that? Some people like to say, oh, I miss the good old days. How many of you miss the good old days when Kampala looked like that and you didn't have to struggle with traffic and potholes? There was a time and you think, oh, those days, those were such good old days. And you tend to dwell on them. Well, God is not pleased with that. See what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10. 
Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than this? Because it is not from wisdom that you, you ask these things. You look at your youth or your time when you are a boy. I tend to think about that a lot. When I was a boy, as if I can go back to being a boy again. Only my boys can do that. And you think, oh, these were much better days. Maybe you look at your days before you were married and you think, oh, these were much better days. Or before you opened your business and you think, oh, those were days of freedom when I was employed. And whatever it may be, why is it a problem to dwell so much about the past? Why does God say, don't say that the former days are better than this? Because what normally results from that is complaining. Isn't it? It's murmuring. Now, these days are so bad, they are so bad, things are not working out. You start murmuring. And, and someone may justify it in their mind and say, I'm not complaining, I'm just venting. Oh, but you're complaining. It leads you to murmur about the present. Number two, it, it blocks you from enjoying the present blessings of God. God has given us so many blessings today. Yes, there were good things in days before, but there are good things also in present day. I mean, think about it. Because of the advancement in medicine, for example, some of you are alive today. Because you could take your child to hospital and they could get treatment at a time when they needed to be in the ICU. That wasn't there many years ago. Some of you can keep in touch with your friends and loved ones who live in other countries. These are blessings which God has given us today. We have vehicles, even better vehicles, modes of transportation on the air, on the sea. So many blessings that God has given us so that you can drive here in 10 minutes instead of walking for three hours. Some of you have eye problems. God has blessed you with glasses. Now you can see. That's another reason it keeps us from enjoying the blessings of God. And also it's, you know, it blocks happiness because you don't have happiness and satisfaction when you just dwell on the past. Only anxiety creeps in and worry and concerns and complaints and so on. You also have to see this verse in the context of what Koheleth, the preacher, says in Ecclesiastes. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new. Whatever was in the past is there today. In the nature of things, nothing is new. You woke up today like people woke up 200 years ago. You went about your day like people went about their day 200 years ago. You will go to sleep at night like people went to sleep at night. The trees are growing. The sun is shining. The moon is there. The sky is there. What difference is there in the nature of things? There is nothing new. We may have some newer developments in every generation. You know, TV wasn't there before the 1920s, or you may say radio wasn't there before the 1890s, or the computer was first invented in 1822, then, you know, strengthened from 1950 and so on. And all those Italian, French, and American inventors invented these things. Yes, 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 there's some new things. But in the nature of things, the preacher tells us there's nothing new. But someone asks, what about mistakes and bad decisions I made which are affecting my present and my future? You're thinking about things you did or you said or didn't say, mistakes you made, sins you committed, and they are affecting your present at the moment. And you're feeling, this is the cause of my anxiety. How do I overcome this? But it happened. I did it or someone did it to me. 
I said those words and I can't take them back. I did that action and I can't undo it. And every single day of your life, you're tormented by it. You're disturbed by it. Well, you can give it to God by faith and you can receive his peace by faith. Do you notice those, those words that are written there in Philippians? They're in the continuous tense, right? It's, it's forgetting. Not once. Because these thoughts keep coming back to our minds over and over again. It's reaching forward. It's something we do continuously throughout our entire life. Sometimes, in spite of Jesus' commands, it is the future which worries us. You look at your children and you wonder, how will my children grow up in this wicked world? There's so many things and they're not good things. So you're worried about the future. We know that Jesus commands us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 not to be worried about our life. You know what you will eat or what you will drink or whichever jobs you will have or the places that you will go and so on. But yet the future is there. You, you, you hear of all the you know, AI developments and people are saying they are going to take over all our jobs and all our lives. Cause for anxiety, right? It can either be in the past or it can be in the future. And it can worry you. Maybe you are not a believer. Maybe you are even a believer, a Christian, and you are worried about death. Every day you don't sleep well at night. You don't want to close your eyes because you don't know if you will wake up again. You are afraid about the future. So, does God tell us what to do? Yes. Let me give you seven things that God tells us that help us against anxieties and worries and intrusive thoughts and the past, and the future, and overthinking, and so on, and so forth. Seven practical things which you can try out in your own life. There's nothing new I'm going to say. I'm going to quote verses that are very familiar to most Christians throughout life. But I want to tell you these things as a reminder. There was one old preacher who said that he preaches the gospel to himself and his church every day because he forgets the gospel and his church forgets the gospel every day. So he has to remind himself what the word of God says every day. How many times have you been reading something and then you walk out and you forget? And today, I don't know if it is all our COVID brains and the fogness and all that, you, you think about something now, it happens so much with me and Vicky. Fifteen seconds later, I forget. What did I want to tell you? It happens so often. And we need to be reminded so often. So the first thing, delight in your father's good pleasure. Delight in your father's good pleasure. We sang about this is our father's world. And there were strong words there which we sang. I don't know if you thought about them or if you just went through the song. Delight in your father's good pleasure. Listen to what Jesus says. Don't fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Imagine that. Maybe you're feeling, I don't even deserve it. Why would God even consider me? But he, he delights himself in you so much 
that he wants to give you the kingdom. And he tells his disciples that sell everything that you have and give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to notice five things about delighting in your father's good pleasure. You can only do this when you have God as your, number one, your shepherd. Did you hear what the verse says? It says, do not fear little flock. That's how the father sees you. He's your shepherd. When you have God as your shepherd, all these blessings that Jesus talks about here become reality in your life. And you have God as your father. I know sometimes this concept of fathers, it doesn't make a lot of sense in our lives because for many people, and it's a great number, you either had a bad father, an absentee father, you grew up with a single parent. Your father, if, you are, if I asked you what is the one thing that defines your father, not many people say love or compassion or gentleness. Most people feel when their father approaches the room, they want to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Hence why, you know, when you go before the presence of God in prayer or in worship, you want to come with a long story before you tell God what to say. Because that's how you approach your father. You know, Dad, um, there's this, and because of this, and the other, and, and so on and so forth. Yet God delights in you as his son and daughter. Those of you who have children, you see how children come to you, right? They come straight to you and they tell you, like my sons, Dad, can we watch TV? There's no long story. Dad, you remember the day that you went to the shop and you bought the TV? You know, that TV is a very good TV and, and so on and so forth. And they start telling you, you know, even that remote is not pressed about during the... So you're, you're praising the thing and then after five minutes you say, can we watch TV? Right? It's how we sometimes approach human fathers. You've got delight in being your father and your king. And your king, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Imagine that. It is his kingdom. It's not your kingdom. It is his kingdom. And he delights to give you his kingdom, to make you part and parcel of his own kingdom. So you ask, what have I done to deserve this? Nothing. It's what Christ has done for you. So if you have God as your delight, these things can help you to be able to overcome those, that overthinking and intrusive thoughts and anxieties and worry. When they come and you're concerned and you're worried and your troubles, you remind yourself, wait, isn't God my father? Isn't God my shepherd? Does he not delight himself in me? And the last thing, where is your treasure today? You want to search where your heart is? Look for where your treasure is. That's what Jesus says. The things that you value the most, that's where the heart is. Now imagine if you can have God as your treasure. Then that's where your heart will always be. So the first thing is delight in your father's good pleasure. These words are so, so beautiful to hear. And you need to remind yourself every day that it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you know, 
it boils down to whether you believe these things. Do you know that? I was at a youth group recently, maybe not, I think two or three months ago, and they asked the question, these teenagers, oh, which are the things that you struggle with? There was me and another pastor on the panel, and another pastor as well, there are three of us. Which are the things that you struggle with? And I said, at that time, my struggle is, do I really believe these things that God writes in the scriptures? What Jesus promises is that if we ensure that his kingdom and righteous living is our priority, this is what Jesus says, he will make everything else his priority. What a massive, massive blessing and promise if we ensure that his kingdom and, and his righteousness are our concern, Jesus makes sure that all these other things are his concern. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? No, think about the things that trouble you now, now, today. While you're seated here, do you believe this about what Jesus says? Sometimes maybe you go to buy a device in the shop or something in the shop, and the seller you know, these days we always have to ask, is there a warranty on this? Because you don't want to go home and it's broken, right? And they tell you, yes, it has a one-year, two-year, three-year warranty. Jesus gives us his eternal warranty that we shall always get what we need. Do you believe Jesus' promise? Number two, to help with anxiety and overthinking and intrusive thoughts and so on and so forth, fill your mind with God. Fill your mind with God. What is your mind full of now? What is my mind full of now? What do I fill up my mind with on a day-by-day -day basis? Maybe you may go home and take a piece of paper and write down 24 hours in a day. I sleep. I don't know how long you sleep. Uh, whatever hours you sleep, they tell us you should sleep seven to nine. So assuming you sleep eight hours in a day, and maybe you work for these hours in a day, how much do you fill your mind with God? It helps in those times when you are anxious. Instead of filling your mind with thinking about the past or the future, in planning and scheming, Jesus, I mean, John says in John chapter 3 that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And there are many things competing with our time today, right? You have work, you have entertainment, you have relationships, you have parties, especially now it's Christmas time. I'm sure you've been invited for more parties than you could ever attend. Fill your mind with God. That will certainly help you in those times when you are troubled. Number three, Beware of fiery darts. I like to play darts. I have a dartboard in my home. But there are darts that the Bible warns us against. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, they are called fiery darts of the enemy. Sometimes, maybe even it happened to you today during service, you are in a sweet, good time of fellowship or singing, or praying, or meditating on the scriptures, or you just have a lot of joy in your heart and in your mind, 
then all of a sudden some thought just comes in your mind. A discouraging thought, a sad thought, a sinful thought, a wicked thought. It just comes, and you ask yourself, where did this come from? Where did this come from? I, I wasn't looking for it. It's early in the morning. I was in time of meditation. It's early, late in the evening. Or I'm in my car and I'm listening to this lovely audio book or whatever it is. And then just a thought comes. Beware of those fiery darts from Satan. And how do we overcome them? By, by taking the shield of faith. We are able to quench them. We are able to bring them down. And is it is interesting that the shield of faith there in verse 16 is connected with the helmet of salvation in verse 17. As if we are reminded, guard your mind and guard your heart against those fiery darts of the evil one, of the accuser. That's what we call the devil, the accuser, the adversary. He's not a friend, he's an adversary. So in, for example, in Zechariah chapter 3, he starts accusing Joshua, the high priest. That's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's what maybe he does to you. Maybe you are a new believer or even an older believer. He asks, are you really sure that you are saved? Just because you said a prayer. Just because you read your Bible or you pray. And who told you these things that you believe about a man who lived 2,000 years ago and things that are written in, a, in an old book that these things will lead you to heaven? You are sinful, you are guilty, you are wicked, you are unrighteous. You are the worst of all people. Right? He accuses you. And those are usually good times when he accuses you to say, yes, everything that you have said is actually very, very true. But I have a great high priest who has washed all of that away and has given me a new life. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinful person. But in the eyes of God, I am covered with his righteousness. And you need to know the tactics that Satan uses against you with these kinds of fiery darts that bring worries and anxieties and concerns and overthinking and troubles every day, day in, day out. And this was distilled for us by a man called Thomas Brooks who lived in the 17th century. He wrote a book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Evil Devices. And he especially listed four things that are Satan's most common tactics. And maybe you've seen that in your life. He entices you to sin. He keeps you from worship and spiritual disciplines. Anything that he will do to keep you from this, he brings up doubt in your heart and in your mind and he ensnares you in particular circumstances. He's just a wicked, wicked man. Thomas then said that all of these are then broken down into specific evil, evil, um, evil strategies. Now, how do we overcome him? By taking on the shield of faith. How do we overcome, number four? by bringing to submission every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know these verses. I don't think there's any Christian who doesn't know these verses. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What do our weapons cast down? 
imaginations, knowledge, isn't it? Having the knowledge of God, they don't cast down the knowledge of God, but casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, they knew exactly what he meant. It wasn't confusing in his day. Because the city of Corinth, like many other cities at that time, had a fortress where people could go and take refuge in case of whatever, in case of war or an intrusion. So he uses that picture to tell them they are strongholds, spiritual strongholds. And how you bring them down has something to do with the mind, the imaginations, the knowledge, the thoughts. Satan and his minions attack God's promises, warnings, and truth. How does he attack? In subtle seductions, in sudden strikes, and the only lasting power against him, against his strongholds, which are guarded by his demons, is the word of God. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to verse 5. There is a big sense in which the war is in your thoughts. It is fought right there in your mind. How many books do you find in the bookstore about the battle of the mind? Just go to Aristotle today or any other bookstore and go and look at books that tell you about the mind, whether Christian or non-Christian. There are so many because the battle is right there. The war is in your thoughts. Now let me tell you, spiritual warfare is not what it has been portrayed. According to these verses, it has been portrayed as binding and chasing and sweeping and, and shouting and slapping and boxing and making noise at the devil and all these other things. These things don't scare the devil. Do them day in, day out until you die. They don't, they don't move him. Box him all you want and slap him all you want and sweep him all you want. You know, brooms have been sold. I don't know what has been sold. This will help you. Those things, they don't work, according to the Bible. They don't work. And they don't scare him. God commands his people not to use humanly or fleshly warfare, but the knowledge of Christ. Did you see that from those verses? The truth of his word, the sword of the spirit, which is divinely powerful for the destruction of spiritual fortresses of deceptive, destructive arguments and pretense against God's truth. That's what the verse tells us. So number four, bringing to submission every thought to the obedience of Christ. Number five, pray with thanksgiving in everything. We know this from Philippians 4. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what does God promise? His peace, the peace of God. Shortly we will see that he also promises that him, the God of peace, will be with us. But pray with thanksgiving in everything. So the question is, someone asks, what if I got myself in this trouble, in this problem I am in, which is making me anxious and worried and overthink and try to solve it by my own ability? What if I got myself in this problem? What if I brought myself in this trouble? Then I tell you today, turn to God. Turn to the same God. He is merciful and just. And only he is like that. Nobody else can be both merciful and just. In the book of Ezra, 
Ezra needed protection after they reached a dangerous place. But he was ashamed, he tells us. He was ashamed to go back to the king and ask for help. Because what had he told the king? The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. That's a bold statement to make. So what do you do when you know you have your children and your wives and you are going through a dangerous place? So to speak, he brought himself in this trouble and he can't ask for soldiers from the king. He went back to God and told God, protect us and keep us and take us safely. So turn to the same God. I'm sure you all know the story of the prodigal son. He went back to his father and his father gladly and lovingly received him. Someone else may ask, you're telling me to, to pray with thanksgiving in everything? In everything? I tell you, yes. Because that's what the Bible says. In everything, give thanks. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So what about the bad? What about the evil? What about the unthinkable that happens? What about what is displeasing to God? Notice, it's not for everything. It is in everything. That proposition makes a world of difference. The idea is to praise and thank him whatever happens. The song that we sang says, whatever my lot, whatever God has decided comes to me, I have thanksgiving, whatever happens. You know, even non-Christians have this kind of an attitude. I don't know if you have ever heard of that Chinese proverb about this man who had a beloved horse and, and, and that horse provided for all of their needs. Then one day the horse ran away. And everyone in the village said, oh, 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 you are very, very unlucky. You are so unfortunate. Your, your only source of livelihood has escaped. After a few days, the horse came back with a few more horses, stray horses. And there was now not one horse, but there were several horses. And the people said, oh, you are a very lucky man. You are very fortunate. Sometime later, the man's son got on one of the horses, which had not been broken, and as, as he was riding the horse, he fell and he broke his leg. And the people said, oh, 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 oh. Sorry, you're, you're so unlucky. Now they have changed their mind, right? A few weeks later, the army came, and they were... What is the English word? Conscripting, that's the word. Thank you, Ruth. They were conscripting people into the army. I wanted to say recruit, but that doesn't capture it. They were conscripting people into the army. And so they passed this man's son because his leg was broken and they took all other sons. Need to do with my family. It's the first thing that comes to mind. I've tried to tabulate how much time it takes, how, how many thoughts I th think about these two things. Yes, sometimes I also think about my sins, but not in a bigger measure like these two areas. So always I have to stop myself and ask, and ask Martin, is this true? 
is what I am concerned about and worried about and anxious about. Is this true? Does it honor God? You start thinking the sky is falling. Is it true? Is it falling? Is it crashing? We are told about the things that we should think about, things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. And God promises that he, the God of peace, not only peace with God, but himself as the God of peace will be with us. Number seven, and lastly, just say no. How hard is it to say no? How hard is it for you to say no? You are told in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that has appeared, that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Anxiety and worry and overthinking is not godly. It's ungodly. But you can say no. Just when the thought comes, just say no. No, I refuse to be anxious. I refuse to worry. I refuse to be troubled about these things. I refuse to go down that way. I've been that way so many times before. I know where it leads. No. Just say no. Ah, listen. Listen. This is a lifelong battle. You're not going to overcome it by saying no once or by practicing these things once. It's a lifelong battle. Do you remember when you looked at the temptations of Jesus in Luke chapter 4? What, what are we told at the very end? That the devil stopped tempting Jesus until an opportune time for a season. It will come back again and again and again. The end of this is when Christ returns or when you die. Because all of us will die at some point if Jesus hasn't returned. hundred years from now, all of us seated here, there'll be new people here. There'll be new people in the world. In a hundred years, all my children and my wife and all of you people will be dead. Maybe some of you sooner than that, but we'll be dead in a hundred years. We'll have been cleared out. <laughs> I can see Dave smiling and telling me, hundred years is too long, he thinks. He wants to go home sooner. But we will die if Christ doesn't return. The second thing that I have to remind you, because it is a continuous battle, because your threefold enemy, the world, your sinful nature, and the devil, do not take a break, listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit in you and through God's grace, you have to be deliberately relentless in your everyday life. The things that I am telling you are things that plague me as well. So the things that I'm telling you, I am telling myself. And although we have broken from our normal expository Bible preaching, this is a really, really good subject for me to, ex to, to, to read about it more and more and to deliver it in a sermon. I know it disturbs some of you as well. Listen, you have to be deliberately relentless in your everyday life. Because your enemy, your sinful nature, you know, you may try to run away and say, I'm going to run away to this place because... I'm going to be secure. Oh, you can't run away from yourself. Oh, you, I'm going to live like a monk. I'm going to go somewhere in the forest over there and build my own. And nobody, I'm going to be living with nobody. There are no temptations. There are no people disturbing my mind day in, day out. Oh, the, your flesh is there with you. And you're still in the world. And Satan will still disturb you.
We are told in 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. How would you like to meet with this creature on your street tomorrow morning when you wake up? It's a picture that is painted of the devil, just roaming around. Who can I devour? Who can I devour? In Job's time, appearing in some way before God and saying, that man Job, he worships you for nothing. In Zechariah's day, talking evil about Joshua today, talking evil against you, like a roaring lion, he's waiting to devour. We have to be transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we can know what God's good. What are you going to choose? The way of the world to deal with the anxieties and worries and issues and problems of life and the uncertainties of the past, of the future and the difficulties of the past? Or are you in a continuous way going to choose the way of God? What am I going to choose? I don't want to be worried or stressed about One Life Church, about my family, about my own sins. That is not going to make me taller, not that I want to be any taller. That's not going to make me live longer. In fact, if anything, it's going to make my life shorter, maybe even my stature shorter, because I'll start to stoop like this, right? And I'm down by an inch. I don't want that. Do you want that? I'm sure you don't want that. So meditate on these few things that I have said. There is much, much more, but there is a choice. It's a choice you make every single day, day in, day out. May the Lord help you, and may the Lord help me. Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.